0: Amen. Go ahead and be seated, and kids can be dismissed to go to Children's Church. we just saying, you are here, you are holy. Um, I don't know, sometimes uh, habit and... Um, I guess, I don't know, familiarity causes us to miss things. Um, And I think wearing jeans and t-shirts to church, sometimes we get comfortable. But the fact of the matter is, he is here and he is holy and he is with us. Um, Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are here. I think that you are with us, among us. And Father, I pray that the words that we just sang would be experienced by us this morning. You are beautiful and holy, God. but you're also personal. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what we will hear and study today from your word about your son Jesus. And the horrific nature of his death bringing the beauty that it brought to us. Thank you for Jesus. In his name, amen. <clears throat> uh, John chapter 19 is where we're going to be, but um, I'd really like for you when we, we read John 19 to just allow it to be a story over you instead of following along. It's not going to be on the screen, um, and it's going to be out of a different translation than I typically teach from. Uh, but I, I, I want, and it's the translation that we've chosen is uh, intentional, kind of story-driven. Um, I want it to just kind of rest over you, but there's a little bit of work that I want to do before we get to that. Uh, Bob Roberts is a pastor in Texas. Yeah, Bob Roberts, unfortunate name, right? Robert, Robert, Roberts, Robert, Robert, just kind of cyclical there. Um, he's a, uh, a few years ago, I had a, an opportunity to spend a few hours with him, driving him uh, From St. Louis to Jefferson City, and just got to really know his heart. And and I follow him on Twitter, and this is a tweet that he put out uh, late last night. There is no pain, no disappointment, no crisis, no death, no loss, no bad thing that in Jesus will not be removed, healed, restored. And in the end is the tag that I think is beautiful. Let's keep it eternal. Um, let's keep it eternal. Like, I don't think... Well, I know that our minds are not capable of grasping what eternity really is. And if you spend time thinking about eternity, which is just an absurd thought, if you spend time... Thinking about eternity, those this, like we are—we are creatures that are bound, and by bound I mean like handcuffed, restrained by time. Our bodies get tired, they ache, they stuff happens. We have a calendar, we have watches, we have things that mark time, and our body. We don't even need things to mark time. Our body tells us it's time for you to go to bed. Our body tells us it's time for you to eat. Our body tells us these things because our bodies are temporary. But we are eternal beings. And, and because we are trapped by time, we have a hard time comprehending eternity. Like, in eternity... Yesterday and tomorrow are like, like even those terms yesterday and tomorrow don't make any sense in eternity. And so just one of the things that I hope this message does for us today is get us thinking about eternity and the fact that we are eternal beings. Last week, I used the phrase over and over again, tyranny of the moment. We are Bound, We are trapped by tyranny of the moment. What's happening to me and to the ones that I love here and now in this very moment? And it brings great, a great deal of stress and turmoil and, and hardship to us. But the truth of Scripture and the truth of the life of Christ and the truth of what we've just read from Bob Roberts is that no pain, no disappointment, no crisis, no death, no loss, no bad thing Jesus will remove them all. He will heal them all. He will restore them all. He will redeem them all. We are eternal beings. So this morning, we're going to engage something very awful that happened to Jesus. But let's keep it eternal. There's an interesting fact about the book of John. There are 21 chapters in the book of John, and the last 10 of those chapters deal with the last seven days of his life. Jesus lived 30-some years. And John devotes almost half of his biography of Jesus to the last week of his life. Interesting to note, Matthew has 28 chapters. It's a biography of Jesus' life. Three of those, chapters, three of those 28 are about the events that John uses half of his gospel to write. Mark uses 5 out of his 16 chapters and Luke uses 3 out of his 24 chapters. And I think that's interesting because John's goal as he stated is these things are written what he's written in the gospel of John he this is the end of his gospel John writes this but these things are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. If that's his thesis, if that's what he's trying to get his readers to believe, and he spends so much time in the last week of his life, I think it's important for us to engage with that. And the stuff that we'll read this morning, the story that we're going to hear this morning is something we hear on Good Fridays. If you guys have been to one of our Good Friday services, you've heard us talk these very things. You've been to any Good Friday service. If you've engaged Good Friday at all, you've heard this this passage, and we do well to engage these verses, John 19, or the death of Christ, on Good Friday. That's good. But we also do well to engage these verses in the context of the whole of the book of John. And that's where we are and what we're trying to do. And this idea, this understanding that we are eternal people. I want to put a quote over you to kind of bookend our time to get together this morning we're going to get to the passage in just a second but I want this quote to start and end the passage it is whatever noise you hear in this life the resurrection speaks louder and it speaks last what, whatever noise you hear in this life the resurrection speaks louder and it speaks last with that in mind just going to slowly and simply read John 19 from the New Living Translation to you and allow it to, I pray that God would engage your heart with what's happening here. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers made a crown of long, sharp thorns, And they put it on his head. And they put a royal robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked. They hit him with their fists. Pilate again went outside and said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing his crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, Here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and the temple guards began shouting, Crucify! Crucify! Whatever noise you hear in this life, the resurrection speaks louder and speaks last. You crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, By our laws, he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. You won't talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or to crucify you? Whatever noise you hear in this life, the resurrection speaks louder and speaks last. Then Jesus said, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above so, the one who has brought me to you has the greater sin. I want to read that verse again. Then Jesus said, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. Then Pilate tried to release him. But the Jewish leaders told him, If you release this man, you are not a friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself to be a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform. It was now about noon, the day of the preparation for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, Here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate gave Jesus to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and they led him away. Carrying the cross by himself, Jesus went to the place called the skull in Hebrew, Golgotha. And there they crucified him. There were two others crucified with him, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Then Pilate posted a sign over him that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified, near the city, and the sign written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. The leading priest said to Pilate, change it from the king of the Jews to, he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate replied, what I have written, I have written. It stays exactly as it is. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They took his robe, but it was seamless, woven into one piece from the top. So they said, let's not tear it, but throw dice to see who gets it. This fulfilled the scripture that says they divided my clothes among themselves and threw dice for my robe. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross were the were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary and Mary Magdalene. When they saw his mother standing, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple who loved who he loved, he said to her, Woman, he is your son. And he said to this disciple, She is your mother. And then from then on, the disciple took her into his home. Jesus, knowing that everything was now finished, and to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. And so a sour jar of wine was sitting there. They soaked the sponge in it and put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When Jesus tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. The Jewish leaders didn't want victims hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was the Passover. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering them that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was dead already, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. It is presented so that you can also believe. These things happen in the fulfillment of the scriptures. Not one of his bones will be broken. And they will look on him whom they pierced. Afterwards, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take the body down. When Pilate gave him permission, he came back and took the body away. Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night, also came bringing 75 pounds of embalming ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Together, They wrapped the body of Jesus in a long linen cloth with spices, as is the Jewish custom of burial. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb that had never been used. And so, because it was the day of preparation before the Passover, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Never before has a greater injustice been done. Never before has there been a darker moment in the course of human history. We have seen evil. We have seen hatred mobilized. We have seen injustice prevail. We have seen great misery. We have seen the innocent suffer. But this moment that we just heard is unparalleled. I want us to feel the weight of the indignity. I want us to feel the weight of the pain. I want us to feel the weight of the injustice. I want us to see a silent and innocent Jesus who is the Christ. I want us to see the the Christ, the anointed one, the one that God chose before the foundation of the world to come and redeem us. I want us to see him mocked beaten and murdered and innocent. I want us to feel the depth of darkness. Selfish men clinging to their power, pride and political position. A perfect man has been executed by them for the sake of power. He's been executed in a beautiful way designed to bring unknown pain and to destroy any future for this movement. These men have concern for themselves more than they have concern for right or justice. These men are driven by ambition and envy. And as a result of their being driven by ambition and envy, they're blind to the fact that this is the Christ. I want us to feel the extent of the evil evil that man is capable of. The moment that we've just read is the darkest moment in the course of human history. I want to pray for just a second. God, I thank you for this moment. I pray for each of us that we would dwell on the darkness of this moment That Jesus is the Christ. God, help us now to feel the depth and the weight of the injustice. Help us to feel the weight of the agony, the loneliness, the pain that Jesus felt. Help us to see this man is innocent. And the Christ gasping for air, nailed to a piece of wood. God, show us the weight. Help us to reflect on the death of Jesus Christ. i going to read another series of verses over you. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. Acts 2. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs, that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified, you killed him by the hands of lawless men. Jesus was raised up. And of that we are all witnesses. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us motivated by looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is currently seated at the right hand of the throne of God. John 10, 10 Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Do you feel theft and death and murder around you? Do you sense it? The thief coming to take from you. The resurrection speaks loudest and it speaks last. And what it speaks to you is that Jesus has come to give you life and life abundantly. Whatever darkness you sense, whatever darkness you feel, whatever darkness is present in this world, Jesus beat it. And he endured worse than it. Psalm 130. O Israel, O people of God, hope in the Lord. Hope. Hope is a big word, people. Hope is not crossing your fingers. Hope is confident of something that is to come. Remember, we're bound by time. If we were not bound by time, hope would be more real to us. Because we experience it in the moment. Oh, people of God, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. Love that can't change and doesn't need to change. O people of God, hope in the Lord, for with the love of the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him there is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Luke 168. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Like, that's the Christmas story. That comes out of the Christmas story. But I need, like, I need you to, like, let that sit over you now as we've just read the crucifixion story. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and he has redeemed his people. Titus 2.14 He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. He gave himself for us to redeem us. The good news is the gospel that Jesus' death was the plan of God to redeem the world for himself. This gruesome and horrible death fueled by men grasping for power and control and self-centered motivation ends with Jesus as the champion. I want to read that again. This gruesome and horrible death, worse than anything we could ever imagine or experience, fueled by men, grasping for power and control and self-centered motivation, ends with Jesus on top. He is the Christ who lived a perfect life, received the wrath of God as a penalty for our sin, for your sin and for my sin, absorbing it all, and then proving his godhood by the resurrection. today we reflect on the weight and the gruesome nature of the cross. But we celebrate a resurrected Jesus Christ. In a world where there is darkness everywhere and in an age where there is evil, hate, self-centered, prideful action, and it always seems to win, even in our own hearts and minds, This is not the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus wins. Darkness cannot and will not win. Any pain or hurt that you encounter in this life is temporary. Let's keep it eternal. It's going to work out for your good. And your hope is made more pure by the difficulty that you encounter with a trial, with a hardship, when the revelation that Jesus Christ is victorious happens, the fully satisfying presence of Jesus comes to you. That is hope. That is the gospel. When darkness presses in, remember remember the cross. Remember the empty tomb. When injustice reigns, remember that it happened first to Jesus, And he overcame. When you find brokenness, remember that Jesus has overcome. When you encounter evil, remember the resurrection. Whatever noise you hear in this life, the resurrection speaks louder and it speaks last. Thank you. <laughs> Whatever noise you hear in this life the resurrection speaks louder and it speaks last. Do you guys Do you guys feel the weight of the implication of that? Like I I had a 25-year class reunion last night and I spoke to a guy who buried his son in late August. And then a couple weeks later, his wife had a brand new baby. And, and I like I, I just I don't know what to do with the ups and downs and the, the death in life. I don't know. I just I don't know where to put that. I don't know where to put what happens in this world. I don't know where to put pain. I don't, know what, I don't know what to do with it. But if we are really changed, if we really understand the gospel, and it's on every page of the book that's sitting in your lap, if we really understand it, the gospel, the resurrection, speaks loudest and it speaks last. Sometimes we're too stupid to listen. But the resurrection speaks loudest and it speaks last. I can't think of anything better for us to do right now than to take communion and sing. Let's pray and do that. God, I thank you. I thank you so much for Jesus. God, and I pray now for each soul in this place that we would have an eternal mindset, an eternal perspective. When darkness happens in this earth, we would see that darkness happened to your son Jesus and he won. And God, I pray that you would bring whatever is necessary to minister that to our lives and to our consciousness. That there is noise in this world that speaks Really loud. But that noise is fleeting and it's temporary and it's bound by time. Jesus. God, I pray you would bring us into community that when darkness presses in on us, that we are reminded by followers of Christ that Jesus has won. And I pray that we would sometimes be that voice when those that are around us are in darkness. God, I pray you would bring your Holy Spirit to descend upon us, that we would know that in the depths of our soul, that the voice of Christ defeating death Defeating darkness, defeating lies, defeating Satan, would speak the loudest in our hearts and in our souls. Bring us community. Bring us the Holy Spirit. Bring us your word. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. May we never, ever get over the cross, and the empty tomb. In Christ's name.